0: Thanks for tuning in to listen to this week's Torah Study class. Stay tuned After the Torah Study for details on how to stay in touch with this ministry and keep up with all of our content. I hope you enjoy the study. Okay, y'all see my screen? Yep. Shalom, everybody. We are... Back in the survey of the scriptures, we are going to pick up in Shemot chapter 4. That's where we left off. We were about to do that last week when we decided to cut it off. So let's dive in. And Moshe answered and said, but behold, they will not believe me nor hearken unto my voice, for they will say, Yevah has not appeared unto you. And Yahweh said unto him, what is that in your hand? And he said, a rod. And he said, cast it on the ground. And he cast it on the ground, it became a serpent. And Moshe fled from before it. And Yahweh said unto Moshe, put forth your hand and take it by the tail. And he put forth his hand and laid hold of it, and it became a rod in his hand. That they may believe that Yahweh, the Elohim of your fathers, the Elohim of Abraham, the Elohim of Yitzhak, and the Elohim of Yaakov has appeared unto him. And Yahweh said, furthermore unto him, put now your hand into your bosom. And he put his hand into his bosom, and when he took it out, behold, His hand was leprous, as white as snow. And he said, put your hand back into your bosom. And he put his hand back into his bosom. And when he took it out of his bosom, behold, it was turned again as his other flesh. And it shall come to pass, if they will not believe you, neither hearken to the voice of the first sign, that they will believe the voice of the latter sign. And it shall come to pass, if they will not believe even these two signs, neither hearken unto your voice, that you shall take of the water of the river and pour it upon the dry land and the water which you take out of the river shall become blood upon the dry land. And Moshe said unto Yahweh, O Adonai, I am not a man of words, neither heretofore nor since you have spoken to your servant, for I am slow of speech. Sorry about that. And of a slow tongue. And Yahweh said unto him, who has made man's mouth or who makes a man dumb or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, Yahweh? Now, therefore go and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall speak. And he said, O Adonai, send, I pray, by the hand of him whom you will send. And the anger of Yahweh was kindled against Moshe, and he said, Is there not Aharon your brother, Alevi? I know that he can speak well. And also, behold, he comes forth to meet you. And when he sees you, he will be glad in his heart. And you shall speak unto him and put the words in his mouth, and I will be with your mouth and with his mouth and will teach you what you shall do. And he shall be your spokesman unto the people and it shall come to pass that he shall be to you a mouth and you shall be to him the stead of Elohim. And you shall take in your hand this rod wherewith you shall do the signs. I'm going to stop right there and back up. So there's a lot in this. And uh, I don't want to breeze through it too fast. Let me get my screen better organized. I don't want to breeze through it too fast, but uh, uh, you know, we can't spend as much time probably as everybody would like, but um, there is a lot to this scene. First of all, um, Moshe's trying to figure out, you know, if I were standing there talking to a a guy standing in a bush that was on fire, I'd be a little befuddled as to how to get people to believe me too. Um, Moshe did not grow up in their midst. He doesn't know what they're thinking, what they believe. He he may not fully understand their uh, mindset, their worldview, their customs. Um, Even though they had been forbidden to do, um, they, they weren't at liberty to do anything they wanted, when they were in their homes, they probably chatted and talked, right? And I I think we talked about it last week, that they handed down the traditions and the belief in Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So first thing that he says is, what is that in your hand? And He says, a rod, mate, a rod, all right? That's also a tribe, all right? I don't think that that has any deeper meaning to it, but This middle letter is a serpent.
1: Wow. All
0: right. That's a tet. If you're not aware, that's the ninth letter of the Hebrew Aleph Bet. And it's pictograph. And you can kind of see it in the letter. This is one of the ones that kind of just, you can see it. Am I wrong? You can see it. That's a serpent. Okay. And so the word staff has a serpent in it.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And of course, this is Moshe's staff, which is kind of the beginning of all staffs, if you will. And uh, uh, it turned into a serpent. But before it turned into a serpent, it was this long straight stick, right? Mm -hmm. So it is a shepherd's staff in all likelihood, because what was Moshe's occupation for the last 40 years? He was a shepherd. He was a keeper of sheep. He was a shepherd. Okay. So, but Elohim says to cast it down. He threw it down to the earth. And the, the staff, which was, let, let's go over these other letters. A mem for mine or people. A tet for serpent and a hay for breath or spirit or sight. All right. So the tet has ambiguous meaning. In other words, it can flip from good to bad. Uh, Melanie happened to notice that there was a serpent on our uh, menorah for the congregation. And it startled her when she noticed it. And, uh, of course, it's there because all the symbols of each of the 12 tribes are on that menorah. And that's the tribe of Dan, Daniel, Dan, sorry, not Daniel, Dan. And uh, um, that's not necessarily a bad thing. All right. But of course, Nahash, which it became, is the word for serpent. And where do we get that from? What's the first use of that? Anybody remember?
1: In Gan Eden.
0: In Gan Eden. That's correct. The Nachash is the one who tempted Hava, Eve, uh, who then roped her husband in, who was standing there, by the way. And he was the beguiler. He was uh, the, the deceiver. All right. So Moshe is going into Mitzrayim with a staff, and he is, that staff is going to turn into a Nahash, and then the it's going to turn back into a mate, a staff, all right? What is that doing to Egypt? What is that showing, what is it
1: supposed to show Egypt? Go ahead, I'm sorry.
2: No, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead, Eve. I was thinking that because everything that resembled one of their gods, everything that he did, and
0: I think that would show them that their gods are defeatable. That's kind of how I looked at it. What about you, Joe? Same thing or something different?
1: No, I was going to say that it was going to show that Egypt was going to go through something evil and then return at some point. Awesome.
0: Okay. Well, I'm, I lean towards what Eva said. I don't discredit what you said because that could be part of the message, but I also want to add that I believe that it's showing uh, power over creation. And of course the Jewish people, Boshe and Aaron, being the ones present there and perhaps some of the elders, but at least Moshe and Aaron are there, they understand that the Nachash was the original deceiver. And so in my mind, I think it's also giving Moshe confidence or over uh, in the fact that he has authority over the evil that he's going to encounter. And I don't think he fully understands the evil that he's about to face, even though he grew up in it. Are you with me yeah so he's going to speak to the most powerful ruler in the world at the time and i don't think we allow ourselves to sort of digest the magnitude of that um i mean yes he grew up in pharaoh's house so he was familiar with the guy um, familiar with their customs, knew their language, um, but at the same time, he's been a shepherd for forty years, and he and he even considers himself slow of speech, or perhaps even a stutterer, or at least, you know, not able to not able to speak elaborately and loquaciously, right? So he's worried about that. So it's a daunting thing, and the first thing God says is throw your staff down and then he watches it turn into a serpent and he runs away from it which i think is a proper response whether it be a an actual serpent or a uh uh representative serpent <laughs> uh to run flee from hasatan right <laughs> don't entertain him right
1: so i would run for sure
0: um especially it was probably not just a small uh what's what's the word i'm looking for unimposing snake right um if you look in the egyptian hieroglyphs what kind of serpent do you usually see probably a viper of sorts cobra a cobra yeah which is one of the more deadly vipers if i'm not mistaken so yeah absolutely um So, I think this is hinting that he is going up against Hasatan himself, right? And that goes back to what we talked about last week or a couple of weeks ago. I can't remember, but we brought up the fact that Hasatan on earth has thrones. Remember that? Yep. I think I brought it up in Adrash. You did. That he has thrones on earth, and he keeps one throne for himself. And I gave you the uh, what I believe is probably the most important criteria to to identify where the throne of Hasatan sits. Does anybody remember what that is?
1: Or was going after Israel. I think it's what? witchcraft.
0: I don't- not witchcraft. You're on the right track, Jim.
1: Okay. The, the, the most powerful enemy of Israel is something like that, if I remember hmm. right. I'm
0: not sure. wherever, they're, yeah. wherever they're persecuting the Jewish people, yes. Yes, okay. Wherever they're persecuting or, and and I say that tongue-in-cheek, uh-huh. because wherever they're persecuting anyone who is loyal to God, let me say it that way, including, and I say it that way because, we're included in that. Yes. All right. So wherever anti-Semitism is dictated from a government standpoint, an official government standpoint, where that is the policy, I believe you could, you could just about say that that's where the seat of Hasatan is. And, of course, it would involve witchcraft and sorcery and, and all the abominations of the earth would be present in that place. Uh, In all likelihood, just like they were in Pergamos, which is what I told you. I believe it was, I think it was last Shabbat, wasn't it? Yep. Uh, Pergamos or Pergamos, however you want to say it, uh, had that huge altar and it was the seat of Hasatan. That came out of Yeshua's mouth. I'm not making anything up. That was Satan's throne, that altar to the God of Zeus and the goddess Athena and really the pantheon of, of the Greek mythology. That's what that altar was built for. And, uh, um, and there was likely anti-Semitism there. I don't know how much of it we could find in history because that history has kind of almost been wiped out other than their art. Uh, They had a library there. There was a great library at Pergamos and, uh, One, I I don't know if it was Julius Caesar or I'm forgetting, but somebody, one of the, I think one of the Roman rulers moved it to Alexandria and sort of augmented the library at Alexandria, Egypt, Alexandria, Egypt, and made that the biggest library. Um, So, but that library was burnt down and a lot of, a lot of what was in it was destroyed. So, um, you uh, you have a lot of hinting here, I think, about Hasatan, and I do believe that at this time, Pharaoh represents the seat of Hasatan, the, the, the seat of his kingdom on earth. And so I, I believe that's what Moshe is going up against, and that's why we're seeing the Nahash very first thing and seeing Moshe take power over it. All right. Do not be afraid of it. Put forth your hand and take it by the tail. And he put forth his hand and laid hold of it and became a rod in his hand. So as soon as he grabbed it, it went back to what it originally was. And that's Moshe's authority is that staff. That's what a staff represents is authority. Mm-hmm. All right. So I believe God is telling him in a tongue in cheek way. I'm giving you authority over Satan himself. Okay. And then he sticks his hand in his bosom and it becomes white as snow, leprous, white as snow, crusty, you might say. Um, and then he puts it back in, theoretically under his, his tunic, all right? And pulls it back out and it's normal again. All right. Metzoraat, metzoraat is the word there. Metzoraat. Kasheleg, <clears throat> leprous. Everybody, we just went through the portion. Tazrio Metzora, right? I think yeah. we did them separately this year. And so metzoraat Kasheleg, Leprous like snow. All right. Shele shaleg is it's shelling, but under with this with fat in front of it is shaleg. Shelig is snow. So <clears throat> his hand is the thing that holds the staff. And he puts it in his own bosom, hiding it from God. But there it becomes this as white as snow. And so one of the things you can see with this is, okay, I'm giving you power over Hasatan. But it's my power. It's not your hand. It's my hand. Because I can, I can rot yours anytime I want it. <laughs> right? Yes. And uh, so I think that's a reminder to Moshe. It ain't you. It's me. I'm giving you and power yab over yab 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 satan, yab. But it's me.
1: <laughs> what you got, Joe? I said, and Yah approves that later. As yeah. we know now. Exactly. So, uh,
0: so I believe that's the the the, the initial scene here is, uh, and then let's look at Metzoraat. Since we looked at the deeper level of Nachash, let's look at Metzoraat. Of course, Tsar is tribulation. Tsara. Tsar is the root word of the concept of tribulation or struggle and strife. But sar, the word, is one who troubles me, all right, or a troubler, a persecutor, if you will. And sarah is the tribulation of that person, if you will. And then you have a mem on the front and a tab on the back. That is people and a sign or water. And a sign. And I've told y'all Mitzrayim. That's the first three letters of Mitzrayim. So in in a sense, God could be saying that if you forget that it's my hand, I'm going to put the trouble of, of Egypt on you. All right. So I think there's a lot there. Um, and of course, he puts it back in and his leprous hand then becomes white, like, normal, like it was, like his other flesh. So 80-year-old flesh came back, right? And so God says, if they don't believe you at that point. So those are messages, I believe, for, for everybody in the party. I think, I think Egypt, Pharaoh was smart enough to know his own deities, right? Uh, they worshiped serpents. They did. They worshiped just about everything but what?
1: God of Israel. No uh, lamb, no. They, she, they didn't worship sheep.
0: They didn't worship sheep. They, for some reason, they hated sheep.
1: Oh, okay, yeah. uh, I remember okay. that very distinctly. That yeah. that stood up my mind. We talked about that.
0: Yeah. So, uh, so Pharaoh is aware of that. He knows what's going on. So there's, I think there's messages to both parties here. But then it's also he has to show those signs to. Uh, to Israel, those signs that he's showing are for Israel first, right? Yes. So he has to show them to Israel to get Israel to believe that he is sent from Yah. All right. They know certainly about the Nachash. Um, they may know about, they. I, I do believe they have the concept of a right hand being the authority of a ruler, right? And Moshe, Moshe's hand representing his own authority and power. So that I think the message holds true for everybody, but on the Peshat level, it's just meant to prove that Moshe talked to the creator, right? And then he says, if they don't believe you and don't hearken to the voice of the first or the or of the second sign. Then if they won't believe those two signs, then you shall take the water of the river and pour it upon dry land and the water which you take out of the river shall become blood upon dry land. So what is that? What's the significance of that?
1: It's as if he's telling him what all the plagues are going to be. He's giving him like a he's giving him the game plan.
0: I think, in some some sense, he is giving them a preview of the plagues, and again, he's showing this to Israel. But what is the significance of the Nile River? Because we know it's talking about the Nile River.
2: It gives life.
0: It gives life. It's the it's the source mm. of of uh all of the uh, abundance of Egypt. It all comes from the Nile. The fact that they irrigated the river and the river flooded at certain times of the year. And yes, the end they worship the Nile. It was one of their chief deities because it gave them their food. Okay. The other gods are all about other things. One of them being their sexual worship, but this one is the one they worship and thank for food. And so it, and it's the biggest, most obvious thing in Egypt. Right. So, uh, he is taking water out of the river, Mayim, which represents life to people and turning it into blood, right? What do we learn about blood in our portion this last week?
1: But life is within life is in the blood or carried by the blood.
0: Exactly. So, yeah, you need water to survive, but you need blood more, <laughs> right? So it, it's he's taking power over the river itself and turning what what helps to sustain life into the very thing where life is, right? And so if you think about it, if that, and we, we talked about it, the word there for the life is in the blood is actually nephesh, the soul. So you might say that, the Nile is supposed to be the soul of Egypt. And I'm willing to bet that that's what they believed. I have, I've read a book about 15 years ago about all the deities of Egypt. And I'm willing to, it seems like that might be stuck in my mind, but they believe that that was sort of, you know, they believe in the, in the life. They believe in the supernatural. Essence of the Nile river when it's just water. Right? Bueller? Bueller. Isn't yeah. it just water?
1: It's just water that contains life, but it doesn't give life in and of itself. Right.
0: It doesn't even contain life. It, is, it has elements in it that support life, but it, it is support. not life itself.
1: Right. So yeah. It's
0: not the life of Egypt like they think it is. And so right. God is taking it and turning it into what usually is life. Right.
1: And then yeah that was that was really interesting in, in the way that you said it. Um, he took what sustains life and turns it into what actually has life in it.
0: Very good. yep. All right, so he's so God is showing Israel, I have power over life itself. you know oh. and and here's the thing. did they not have a tendency to like Egypt? And to worship their deities.
1: We see that.
0: Yeah. So they may have gotten bit by the notion that the Nile Mm -hmm. is their life, is their source. Are you with me? Mm -hmm. So God Mm -hmm. has to prove that to Israel as well.
1: Well, yeah, because they they would have adapted. I don't how how long were they there. I don't remember the, the exact two hundred and
0: some odd years. The total from Abraham's first visit until the very end is four hundred and thirty years. But in practicality, from 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 the next generation after uh, Joseph to now is about two hundred and thirty years, I think.
1: Okay, so within two hundred and thirty years, like we see major cultural shifts in our own time. You know, within decades, so after 200 years worth, yeah, they're they're they'll be taken on uh, the culture of the people that they are in captivity.
0: Yep, that's right. And so I believe that's why God has to prove to them, I have power over Satan, I have power over you, Moshe, and I have power over the people who believe in this river, possibly. All right. So God is making it abundantly clear who he is through these signs. okay. And then. Oh, I don't know. I am not a man of words. So now Moshe goes to his bumbling mouth. He doesn't feel sufficient to the task. And look what God tells him. Uh, Who made man's mouth? Who makes a man dumb, deaf, seeing, or blind? Is it not I? So Moshe's worried about his own mouth and his own power. And God's saying, I own that thing. <laughs> I'll do with it whatever I want. Who do you, you, I created it. <laughs> what are you worried about? But hey, here's your brother who is very loquacious and, and likes to talk, you know. So, I, okay, he's coming to you, by the way. Did you ever think about this? Why was Aaron on his way already? Mm. Moshe's been gone for 40 years. I'm pretty sure there weren't post office and Facebook and telephones.
1: Never considered that.
0: All right. Yeah, Melanie said it. God told him to go, but we don't we don't hear that. We don't. God had to be the one to send him. It's been 40 years. He doesn't even know if if Moshe's alive. How do he know where to go?
1: I always wondered. Well, I won't say always wondered, but I'm kind of wondering, did Moshe even know he had a brother at that point?
0: I think he did. I think he did. He, he, uh, you know, his mom nursed him.
1: But if he was the firstborn and he was taken in the Pharaoh's house, he may not have known for sure. He wasn't the
0: firstborn, I don't think. Uh, well, because they were supposed yeah.
1: to kill the firstborn.
0: They were supposed to kill them all. All male children, right? Maybe, maybe so, yeah. All right. Uh,
2: had had um, Elohim given... Abraham, any indication how long it would be before he brought his uh, posterity out? Yep, he
0: told him 400 years.
2: Well, maybe maybe Aaron did some math, said, you know, exactly. we coming up on this.
0: Exactly. It's time. And so my brother, who was put in an ark and raised by Pharaoh... And mama, got, mama didn't get killed. My sister didn't get killed because she was the one who arranged the thing. You know, yeah, maybe he's figured it out. Maybe mama told him, I think this baby is blessed. This, I think this might be the one who's going to lead us out. You know, she was clearly a person of faith, wasn't she? Obviously. So how did he know where he was? Deanne says maybe he asked directions, perhaps, but I mean, were the people who watched him go by 40 years ago still alive? <laughs> I don't know.
1: That's to be her rook.
0: I think so. I think God is bringing him and we just don't know that Aaron has been called to this role. And is it any wonder that he becomes the priesthood later on, even in spite of it? And we all have the foreknowledge of his mistakes, but he's destined for this. He's already on his way before Moshe. God's already putting the the chest pieces in place. God knew Moshe felt this way, right?
1: I think it's funny that that the Yah got mad at Moshe right from the very beginning. Like, where where it says something about the anger of Yah, where's where that? But anyways, this says that he was mad at him already. You know, we know he got mad at him later on. We know that now, but yeah, like off the bat in the very beginning, he gets mad at him. <laughs> it's like, dude. Yeah. That makes me feel better.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, and that's, I mean, that's a beautiful thing because he gets angry, but he doesn't blow his stack on Moshe, Right. right? Any questions or thoughts so far?
1: Oh, right there. And the anger of Yahweh was kindled against Moshe. What verse was it? I I
2: lost it.
0: Ah, 14. And the anger of Yahweh was kindled against Moshe. And he said, Is there not a Haron your brother, Halavi? I know he can speak well and also behold he comes forth to meet you when he sees you he'll be glad in his heart so they may have known each other you know but in verse 14 and burned the anger of Yahweh. all right so and that, that word anger there is related to the nose. So he might've scrunched his, <laughs> scrunched his face up at him figuratively. What you got, Dan?
3: So I was thinking, you know, it's just a thought. Um, maybe he, he had this expectation that, you know, cause Moses is supposed to be quote unquote, the one that leads them out of slavery. <clears throat> But there's going to be another one, Messiah, that comes and saves the whole world. And maybe he was thinking of that far in advance and and wanted to see the, all right, let's go do this, God, you know, um, out of Moshe. And instead, he got excuses. You know how um, uh, God got upset? um, He said, well... And Abraham had to talk him down. <laughs> well, how about ten? Okay. How about twenty? Okay. Well, how about five? Okay. If there's five people that are righteous, I won't destroy the city, or you know, whatever.
2: Mm-hmm. And
3: and I'm thinking, I don't know what that is. I'm not saying that God's got unrealistic expectations, but it it just I just kind of wondered if there's a little bit of a a hope that he would have been more excited.
0: That. Moshe would
3: that, that Moses would have been a little bit more excited.
0: Yeah. Yeah, perhaps so. Um, Moshe's been living
1: a quiet life, though. You know? That's true. Um, I had my hand up. I brought it down because I thought, Deanne, you were going to say what I was thinking. Um, but I think that maybe he was just getting angry at Moshe for his lack of faith and his lack of trust. Um. That could be why his anger, like, dude, really, you're not going to believe me. I did, oh, I already did these things. I appeared mm-hmm. to you in a burning bush. I turned you into a leper. I healed you from being a leper. I made your staff into a snake and brought it back. And you're still not believing me now. You're still doubting me. Like, I think he gets, he probably gets frustrated with us because of our lack of belief. And well, I take he had a shot portion. Help, um, I believe, help my unbelief.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, here's the thing. He's sitting here looking at the messenger and hearing the very voice. He's not dealing with God like we deal with God. Right. And even though he sees the messenger, he see, he saw the serpent from his staff, and he saw his, his serpent turn back into its staff. And then he saw his own hand mm. literally turn to leprosy. And then he saw it turn back again. And then he saw water. Turned to blood. He saw all of this with his eyeballs. This isn't figurative. This is not an analogy, like uh, Tertullian said. This is all f- literal. I believe it literally. And all of these things happen, and he saw it with his eyeballs. He shouldn't have taken much faith, right? I think he just didn't want to do it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> mm-hmm. When you put it like
0: that. Yeah, I think he was just living the quiet life and like, dang, I'm 80 years old. I'm ready to retire.
1: Give me a rocket chair, dude. <laughs> yeah, I honestly
0: think that's what it is. He just doesn't want to do it, and he's trying to find excuses for it. I can't. I can't speak very well,
3: like Jonah. You know, mm-hmm. he did not want to go to Nineveh. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: All right. Um, you will speak unto him. And put the words in his mouth. So even though Moshe didn't want to speak. You shall speak to him and put the words in his mouth. And I will be with your mouth. And with his mouth. So God's going to put the words in Moshe's mouth. And Moshe's going to put them in Aaron's mouth. And God's still going to watch over it. To make sure they say exactly what he told Moshe to say.
1: There were three witnesses.
0: That's right. And he shall be your spokesman.
1: That's at the beginning of sixteen. That's another thing the movies get wrong. You always see like Moshe is like telling Pharaoh, "Let my people go," and but yep. it was Aaron probably saying it the whole time, and Moshe's probably just standing there holding a stick. Mm-hmm.
0: He shall be to you a mouth and you shall be to him in the stead of Elohim. So Moshe, this is what I was talking about. That's the authority that God has given him back up at the beginning. He's given him the authority, and Aaron has become his spokesperson. He shall speak for you to the people. And he will be for you a mouth, and you shall be for him unto Elohim or for Elohim. So he's going to be basically, you know, Aaron's talking to Moshe is like talking to God. All right. And now look, and you shall take in your hand this rod wherewith you shall do the sign. So that rod has become very important. The et unto this rod, you shall take in your hand and by it do all of these signs. Di ha-otot. Et. You shall do in it. Et. Ha-otot. So otot is plural for et, which is a sign, okay? And Deanne's pointing out it doesn't have the vavim in it. The, the letter vav should be in there twice, but they're not there, okay? So it's it's like it's pointing back to this et versus oat, because what she's talking about is, o usually has that in it, if you see that. Everybody see that? Yes, sir. So, <clears throat> obviously, in my opinion, hinting at Yeshua, so that Moshe's staff is representative of Yeshua, and a staff, the shepherd's staff is what letter?
1: Lamed. The Lamed, Lamed. which is a
0: picture of what?
1: Shepherd's staff. Which is a um, bit,
0: yeah, a king of kings. Sorry. Oh, that's right. All right, and so we're having a hint here, I believe, about Yeshua being the authority by which God does these miracles. And of course, we know that everything that God did, He did through Yeshua. Right? Yeshua mm-hmm. is the power between God and man. The manifestations were all about pointing to Yeshua. They are God, but they were manifestations that are also pointing to Yeshua. Okay. And so we see a little tiny picture of that, I believe, right there. All right. And Moshe went and returned to Yitro, his father in law, and said unto him, Let me go, I pray, and return unto my brethren that are in me, Shrine, and see whether they are yet alive. And Yitro said to Moshe, Go and shalom. and Yahweh said unto Moshe in Midian, go, return into Mithraim. All the men are dead that sought your life. And Moshe took his wife and his sons and set them upon a donkey. And he returned to the land of Mithraim. And Moshe took the rod of Elohim in his hand. And Yahweh said unto Moshe, when you go back into Mithraim, see that you do before Pharaoh all the wonders which I have put in your hand. So the same thing that he's supposed to do before the people of Israel, he's supposed to do before Pharaoh. But I will harden his heart, and he will not let the people go. That's in verse 21. I will ahazek, I will strengthen his heart. I will encourage his heart. What you got, Joe?
1: I'm going to be very trivial, and I probably shouldn't even bring it up, but at the beginning of this, two things that (laughs) – Moshe went to his father in law. First of all, he still has a father in law. He's eighty years old. Yeah, and asked for permission. He's still eighty years old asking for permission. I think that's just that blows my mind.
0: Yeah, that's that's the kind of respect we used to have for one another. Uh, you know, it's amazing how disrespectful and un, uncouth most of society is today. I can't stand it. It drives me crazy. Um. So, yeah, that is noteworthy to point out. Mm. Um, so he's saying that he's going to have to encourage Pharaoh to get through this. He will not let my, the people go. And you shall say unto Pharaoh, thus says Yahweh, Israel is my son, my firstborn. And I have said unto you, let my son go. And he may serve me. And you have refused to let him go. Behold, I will slay your son, your firstborn. And it came to pass on the way at the lodging place that Yahweh met him and sought to kill it. Then Sipora took a flint and cut off the foreskin of her son and cast it at his feet. And she said, surely a bridegroom of blood you are to me. So he let him alone. Then she said, a bridegroom of blood in regard to circumcision. And Yahweh said to Aharon, go into the wilderness to meet Moshe. I personally believe that's the calling that we missed out on just a few chapters before, or a few paragraphs before, right? God had told Moshe he's on his way, and then we're seeing him called here, sent here, right? So was he already on his way, or was God just saying it's going to happen?
1: It could be either way, but just to read it in the text, is like, he wasn't on the way and he's like, don't worry, he's coming. Aaron didn't know about it. That says go. So in other words, God foreknew what was going to happen. This is how, how it appears.
0: Yeah. I, I think that God writes the word in this way because we have a tendency to want want everything to be linear. So what I think happened is God had already done it. And when he was talking to Moshe, he had already done it, but he put it at this end of the narrative, not to interrupt the Moshe narrative because there was too much for an interruption. Know what I'm saying? Yeah. I got you. Whereas there are sometimes when we are reading a narrative and bam, there's this big interruption. Remember those? Yeah.
3: Yeah. It's like the Tamar thing right there in the middle of the Joseph
0: story. Exactly. So, for some reason, that calling wasn't wrapped up in Moshe's encounter, like such that it was so important to be interjected into the story. Are you with me? But this proves what we said. God called it, right? That was our, that when we were reading it. And remember, we're trying to read this with new eyes. And that's why I try to do that is, you know, why did God do this? Or how, why did Aaron set out? Well, maybe it's because God called him. Well, here it is. I think it had already happened, but now we're just hearing about it in the narrative because they didn't have TVs and visuals and computers and, and sophisticated ways to com- communicate these things. You know, it was just being the written word. So it got stuck here. All right. Go into the wilderness to meet Moshe and, That's all he said. What do you think about that?
1: Just one thing. Well, that's got to show that Aharon had faith, apparently, because he knew the voice of Yah. And Yah said, go into the words to meet Moshe. And Aharon says, all right. Yeah. (laughs) Picked up, and he's—I
0: think—he's the older brother. He's eighty-three, if I remember right.
1: Mm.
0: He's eighty-three here. He's an old man too. And you know, he's like, okay, let me get my geritol. <laughs> 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 Got to get my wow. my corn pads on. <laughs> get ready oh, to go out in this desert. You know, he just gets up and goes.
1: I don't think they were as weak as we are today, though. So. <laughs> oh, heck!
0: No. Well, um, I, is the? F- I was going to say, my point is: is he simply he heard God's voice? He didn't. He didn't even know why he was going anywhere. He just went.
3: So, was the first time Abram heard God? Was it the Lech lefa? Go for yourself.
0: If I'm remembering correctly, I think it was.
3: So maybe this is the first time he's heard his voice.
0: I think it is, and I yeah. think it's. I think it speaks to faith and a belief in the patriarchs on Aaron's half behalf. You know, on his part, and uh, a willingness to obey. And he he just got up and left. Like I said, I was pointing out he's old because. It takes a little more motivation when you're 83 to do something, you know. Um, he just went and he knew where to go. He didn't tell him where to go. He knew where to go. And so you began uh, saying maybe he asked for directions. Probably so. You probably heard of the mountain of, of Yab, you know, from the, these people, Moshe's people that live there and kind of figured that's where Moshe would be. So that's where he went. He went to the mountain of Elohim. Okay. And he kissed him. And Moshe told Aharon all the words of Yahweh wherewith he had sent him and all the signs wherewith he had charged him. And Moshe and Aharon went and gathered together all the elders of Bnei Israel. And Aharon spoke all the words which Yahweh had spoken unto Moshe and did the signs in the sight of the people. And the people believed. And when they heard that Yahweh had remembered Bnei Israel. That he had seen their affliction, they bowed their heads in worship. So let's back up. That's a lot of stuff. There's three different sections to talk about there. So I don't want to get out of line. I just wanted to read it all first. Moshe returned to Yitro, his father-in-law. Let me go, I pray, and return unto my brethren that are in Mitzrayim and see whether they are yet alive. And he said, go in shalom. Go, return unto Mitzrayim. For all the men are dead that sought your life. So Moshe, you got to remember, was a convicted criminal and had a death warrant out against him. And God said, those people are gone. Don't sweat that stuff. So he packed his wife and his sons and sent them upon a donkey. And he returned to the land of Mitzrayim. Moshe took the rod of Elohim in his hand. And he told him, when you go back into and see that you do before Pharaoh all which I have put in your hand, but I will harden his heart and he will not let the people go and you shall say in the Pharaoh, thus says Yahweh. This is the part that I wanted to get to. Yisrael is my son, my firstborn. Beni ve'chori Yisrael, just three words. My son, my firstborn, is Israel. All right. It's talking about the nation, talking about the 12 sons and all of their offspring. The man Israel and all of his descendants. That is my firstborn. And of course, how can God say this if Yohanan, John chapter three, sixteen says that Yeshua is the only begot. Is because it a common
1: What you got, Joe? I was going to say because um, the, the Yeshua is is begotten part of. He's a, a manifestation. He's a, a piece of. He's a the son of. Whereas here, he's just like, he's chosen them. It's a little bit different. Like, this is my son, but these are my adopted children over here.
0: No, they're not adopted. What you got, yeah.
3: Maybe because in Order for, well, not in order for, um, Yeshua has to come through a line.
0: Bingo. Bingo. Israel is carrying the fruit, the DNA that would become Yeshua. Uh, okay. All right. So that shows you the oneness. You got to remember. Ancient Israelis thought in, a, in the order of oneness and not independence and selfishness. It's like you said, Moshe is 80 years old asking permission to leave his father-in-law's house. They didn't think of themselves as little independent entities that didn't have to answer to anything. But all of Israel is responsible to one another. That is That was a, that was a mantra. The, the Middle Eastern people today still think that way and you can see it. If you pay attention to how they behave, they think of each other as part of each other. We think of each other, we think of each other as you're you and I'm me, and don't mess with my junk. Don't get in my space. Right? We have a completely different mindset on mishpacha and chaver, friend, family. We have a completely ach. Uh, ah. We have a completely different mindset. Ah, brother is a byword in my opinion these days. People use it way too lightly. I don't use that word on very many people, especially now because I've used it on the wrong people too many times. Um, But Israel is one man, and God often speaks of the nation as a man. And when he's doing that, I personally believe he's always alluding to Yeshua, who is... The new Adam. All right. And yeah, at the end, it is very sad. And that, you know, if there's anything I want to, any mark I want to leave on the world other than just leading someone to Messiah, it's to get somebody in the body of Messiah in the mindset of being unified with each other. And quit all this stupid baby stuff that goes on in the congregation all the time. Mm
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Well, good. You can feel like you've achieved that because I've certainly been impacted by that teaching and it's had a a great effect.
0: Well, hallelujah.
2: I suspect I'm not the only one. (laughs) I know I've talked, we've talked that way among ourselves visiting and talking and stuff like that.
0: Yeah. Well, that, I appreciate that because that, that's, that's been mine and Melanie's prayer and, and, uh, you know, it, it almost looked like it was never going to happen. <laughs> you know, we thought it had, and then the next thing you know, we find out there's dragons in the closet, you know, and there's all kinds of wolves in, in our midst. And, and so it's good to hear that people are thinking that way. And that, I pray that for me, Dash may all the time, Melanie and I always do at least once a week, uh, and independently every day, um, once a week together, at least if not more, um, but that's my desire. That's our desire is, is to see the body unified more than, because he's coming back for a, a spotless bride. He's not coming back for a whole bunch of little brides. Right. Who are independent of each other and have each their own doctrine, <laughs> you know, and, and their own system of belief. That's not what he's coming. That's not spotless. That's a whole bunch of little spots out by themselves. <laughs> hmm all right. So uh, that's what I believe this is talking about. Beni Bechori, the firstborn. Yeshua is the firstborn, the first fruits from among the dead, right? And so again, this is alluding to him, and certainly the nation of Israel was the vessel of flesh that would bring him about, and he needed the whole nation to do it. One seed line through Yehuda, we find out, yes, but Yehuda is part of this. Right. And Yehuda had to work within the confines of the whole nation. And yes, God pared his nation down. He, he, he pared the tree down all the way to the root, which is Yeshua. But he birthed it back in us. Right. But it's still Israel. His firstborn Messiah. Um, would you guys like to jump to Romans to talk about that a little more, a little more deeply?
1: Let's go deep, brother.
0: Since yeah. We're on it. Yes, I tell you the truth through Mashiach. I'm in Romans nine, verse one. I tell you the truth through Mashiach, and I do not lie. My conscience also bears me witness through the Ruach HaKodesh that I am exceedingly sorrowful and the pain which is in my heart never ceases. And I think I'm beginning to understand what Shaul is feeling, certainly probably not on the level that he felt it, but that's kind of how, where I am right now about unity in the body, uh, bringing bringing the people that we know and love back into the faith and then unifying the body. That's how, that's how I feel. All right. For I have prayed that I myself might be accursed because of Mashiach for the sake of my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. So his kinsmen, according to the Ruach, are anyone who believes in Yeshua. Greek, African, he doesn't care. Those are his brethren, but in this conversation, he is talking about his Jewishness, his Israeli heritage, all right? And he proves that. Who are Israelites? I want you to understand this. It's inevitable to get into two house junk because they think that this is, they think that Israel is the 10 Northern tribes and Judah is Judah and that never the twain shall meet. Is that not how you think Two houses think?
1: Well, that's pretty much the way they think.
0: Yeah. So he is saying of people in his day, they're all Israelites. To whom, talking about Israel of his day. All right. He goes on and proves that. And it may bubble out. I forget how long later it is, but it bubbles out in Romans. That's who he's talking about is Jews of his day. All right. To whom belong the adoption and the glory and the covenants and the Torah and the rituals therein and the promises and the fathers from among whom Mashiach appeared in the flesh. There's that's exactly what we're talking about. Israel is my firstborn son. Messiah appeared from among all of these. All of that Messiah came out of. Right. In the flesh. Who is Elohim over all, to whom are due praises and thanksgiving forever and ever. All right. So so Shaul is clearly talking about our Jewish people. Does anybody disagree with that? All right. It is not as though Debar Ha Elohim had actually failed, for all those who belong to Israel are not Israelites. Mm-hmm. Shaul is already talking about this in his day. Again, he's talking about his brothers after the flesh. His brothers after the Ruach are people who are people of trust. He had just said a few chapters before in Romans 2.29, a true Jew is one who is a Jewish person inwardly, who is circumcised of heart, meaning he obeys the commandments of God. That is a, that's a real Jew. All right? So not everyone who belongs to Israel are Israelites. Notice he didn't say that Israel is not Israel.
1: Israelites.
0: Well, ha- hang on. All those who belong to Israel. What's he talking about?
1: For the nation. that? Yeah. With, huh? In Jewishness, generic Jewishness.
0: Right. Well, talking. what I'm trying to get at is when he said that all those who belong to those who belong to Israel. Are in his day people who claim to be Jews.
1: Right.
0: Claim to be Israelis. And he's saying they're not Israelites, not all of them. Some of them are. Which ones are, I ask you?
1: The believers. There uh, you go. Yeah. The
0: Jewish people who accepted their Messiah when he showed up, that is Israel. All right. For it was said in Yitzhak shall your descendants be called. That is, it is not the children of the flesh who are the children of Elohim, but the children of the promise who are reckoned as descendants of Israel, children of promise. For this is the devar of trust. This is where word of faith comes from. The word of faith movement takes this phrase and twists it all up, and jacks it all up, okay? I will come at this season, and Sarah shall have a son. Not only this, but Rivka also, even though she had intimacy with one only, our father Yitzchak, before her children were born or had done good or evil, the choice of Elohim was made known in advance. And it might be said, not by means of works, but through him who made the choice. For it was said, the elder shall be the servant of the younger, as it is written. Yaakov have I loved, but Esav have I hated. What is God basically saying? What is Shoal basically saying in this paragraph?
1: Essentially, that it doesn't matter your fleshly heritage because the Israelite people came first, but then they've forsaken him. And then the, later on, the, the rest of the world accept the Messiah and are now the ones that are loved because they're now Israel. Right.
0: God had told the fathers who did all this stuff up here that through one seed, all the world will be blessed. God had told Abraham, you know, Abraham believed God and it was accredited to him, counted toward him as righteousness. Then he promised him, there's going to be a son come out of your loins. Through him, the whole world will be blessed. That blessing is righteousness. So your righteousness, which is given to you by God because of his choice, makes you a true Israeli, whether you are Jewish in the flesh or not. And it's the conversation about DNA and flesh and inheritance and all of that earthly stuff that has gotten into the messianic community and distorted the message and people can't people who are inside of the Torah walk have a tough time reconciling their lack of having grown up as Jews with imparted righteousness. Are you with me? Did that come out right?
1: Well, I think I know what you're saying, because there's oftentimes whenever someone asks me, are you a Jew? And I would say, no, I'm not a Jew, but I am Israel. I guess because. I wouldn't uh, say I guess, it that way, because a Jew is Israel.
0: That gives too much weight to the two house argument. When you say I'm not a Jew, I'm Israel. Got you. Then you're leaning toward the two house way of thinking. Just slightly, Joe. I'm not coming down on you. You do understand? No, no, no.
1: I understand. No, I guess what I'm trying to—I guess what I'm trying to, to convey to them is I'm not—I I don't have Jewish blood in my veins that I know of. Right. I, I guess that's what I'm trying to really convey.
0: Right, but when you say it that way, you're linking it still to the flesh. Got you. All right, because a true Jew, it's God that said it through Paul, Shaul. A true Jew, Yehudi, is one who is a Yehudi, inwardly, his heart is circumcised. You are a Jew, more so than a Jewish person who merely follows the Torah. Roger, Because Judah is the tribe of Yeshua. Yeshua is the chief, the king of the Jews. He wasn't put on his tree just as a, a, a pejorative. An insult like Rome wanted it to be, you know, mockery, is why it was put up there they didn't realize they were labeling him his proper label. He is the king of the Jews. All right? And to be truly Jewish, you have to die to who, you have to die to who you are in your flesh, including if you're Jewish.:
2: Right. Yeah. And, so, and Adam uh, all sinned. Every one of us was fallen. Every last one of us. Born, we were already, we were already dead.
0: And you're going right to our destination. We're we're on the road, but you know, what Betsy, what just happened to Betsy is the same thing that happened to Abraham. He saw the city afar off. She just saw the destination of where we're going. In Adam, everyone dies. In Messiah, everyone lives. Amen. And if you carried your flesh over into your faith, then you're still Adam.
1: Dang, that actually means that I have, through, I guess, ignorance or overthinking or or whatever, have actually denied being, well, because I've denied being Jewish a few times to some people who have point blank said, you're Jewish, and I said, no, I'm not, I'm... Wow, okay. <laughs> yeah, I see it now. But that's, that's so profound, though, because there are so many uh, groups of believers who, their, their flesh, that's prioritized mm. over the word. That's right. They're, they're, they're putting their, their flesh before it.
0: They're, they, are they are so, so different different caught DNA. up. They are so caught up in their DNA and oh. where they come from And how special that group of people is and how important it is that I'm part of that group. Oh, yippee, yippee, yippee. Mm -hmm. And they don't realize they have thrown away salvation. Yeah, Deanne.
3: So it's kind of funny because there's several instances where people say things they don't mean, but it ends up covering them. Like Sephora, she said, you've become a bridegroom of blood to me. Basically, you'll want that, Sephora. (laughs) Um, You know, second of all, um, you know, all the Jews, you know, uh, when they were uh, being haggled over, you know, do you want Yeshua or do you want Barabbas? And they're saying, you know, give us Barabbas, you know. Um, And they said, what about this Yeshua? And they said, let his blood be over our heads. Yeah. You don't realize that you were covering yourselves and they do that um, and they don't know it. And if they could just see it, all of those remembrance would come into their mind and it'd be like, oh, I've been covering, been covered the whole time on a deposit I didn't know was being made.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Joe. All right. So I'm going to preface this whole statement with, Abba, please forgive me because I said things I did not know I said and and, and uh, try to portray something that I maybe did not fully understand what I was saying when I did it. Yeah. But there have been people that they would ask me what my faith is, and I would say, well, some say, are, they, are you Messianic Jew, for example? And I would say, well, I don't like the term Messianic Jew, Because when people think of the term Jew, they think without Messiah. So I just say Messianic because we follow the Jewish ways, but follow Messiah. So I don't want to put that connotation there. So in light of this conversation, I see now my error. And that's why I'm asking publicly for that forgiveness of my lack of understanding. Because this has become a profound thing to me.
0: Yeah, don't castigate yourself too much because Abba knew what he was doing. But um, but yes, correct it in the future. And the thing that I want you guys to think about when you have that conversation is that sign uh, hanging over Yeshua's head. Is he your king?
2: Oh, yes. 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 That's
1: yes. Fine.
2: Yes, he is.
0: He's the king of the Jews. <laughs> that's right, amen.
2: Hallelujah.
0: <laughs> Period. I, that, that, to me, that kind of just sums it up, and that's what I would tell people. Well, my Messiah is the king of the Jews, so yeah, I'm Jewish.
1: Roger that. See now, it's all clear now. And then that's you could point
0: to Romans two twenty nine, and then you could bring them here. Not everyone who is Israel is Israel. Right? It uh, all supports each other, but to me the linchpin is that sign hanging over his head.
1: King of the Jews.
0: All right. (laughs) What shall we... Who said...
2: Well, not only that, Abraham Abraham had um, Isaac and Ishmael, but only Isaac was in the line, and um, Rifka had Yaakov and Esau, but only Yaakov was in the line. And so there's always been through the whole, through all of the peoples, there's always been those who are, are gods and who are, you know.
0: Right. And it, and it is, it is God's sovereignty that makes the decision. And of course we have another group of people that we have to deal with when we read these scriptures and that's the Calvinists who have come along and twisted these to mean that God chose you and you have no part whatsoever in your salvation. And you don't in the sense of your righteousness is not why you're saved. You're saved because you would respond to the gospel, and God foreknew that. All right? Um, So what shall we say then? Is there injustice with Elohim? What profanity? For he said to Moshe also, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will give favor to whom I will give favor. Therefore, it is not within the reach of him who wishes, nor within the reach of him who strives, but is, it is within the reach of the merciful Elohim. Nobody wished or strove, let me put it this way, nobody outside of the community of Israeli Jewish believers, Jewish Torah followers, nobody outside of that strove to become Israel. Did they not? Or did they? All right. Maybe what I'm asking will clear up a little bit or maybe I need to word a little bit different. It is not within the reach of him who wishes, nor within the reach of him who strives, but it is within the reach of the merciful Elohim. And of course, that is saying that God is the one who makes the sovereign choice. For in the scripture, he said to Paro, it was for this purpose that I have appointed you that I might show my power in you so that my name might be declared throughout all the earth. Thus, he has mercy on whom he pleases, and he hardens whom he pleases. Perhaps you will say, why then does he yet find fault for who can resist his will? This is where Calvinists get irresistible grace from. They think that if that God comes to people to whom he's going to give his grace for no reason whatsoever, and he chooses them and gives them his grace and they cannot resist it, therefore they must be saved. Yeah, but that's ridiculous because, well, of course we know this, but that would make the whole sacrifice at the stake null and void because if okay. you already know that you're going in, you can do whatever you want to, you have no repercussions. And they think, yeah. yeah, and they think that. Yeah, that's they're ridiculous. super pesticides. Yeah. However, oh man, who are you to question Elohim? Shall the thing form? Say to him who formed it, Why have you made me like this? Does not the potter have power over his clay to make out of the same lump vessels, one for special occasions and one and the other for daily service? And, of course, God certainly does. He said he told Moshe, I made the mouth. It's your mouth, but I made it. It's Aaron's mouth, but I made it. I'm going to control your mouth and his mouth. So, yeah, God is absolutely sovereign. He can do with the clay whatever he wants to do with it. But he looks at the clay first. Why does, why does a potter choose certain clay for one vessel versus the other? Because of the quality of the clay, the way it responds to his hands, whether or not it's mm-hmm. malleable, right? Mm-hmm. Foreknowledge. And I think that word comes out in here. Because he foreknew us, he predestinated us, all right? right? However, oh man, okay, I already read that. Does the Okay. Now then, if Elohim wanted to show his anger and make his power known, would he not then, after the abundance of his patience, bring wrath upon the vessels of wrath, which were ready for destruction? But he poured his mercy upon the vessels of mercy, which were prepared for the glory of Elohim, namely ourselves, the called ones, not of the Eudim only, but also of the Goim. So it's called ones, all right? As he said also in Hosea, I will call them my people who are not my own people and her beloved who is not beloved. And it shall come to pass that in the place where it was said you are not my people there shall they be called the children of the living Elohim he said that to Israel you're not my people right but they shall be called the children of the living Elohim do we need to go back to Hosea or does everybody believe that's who he said it to
1: believe no it. I mean. huh? Yeah. believe it we believe it I know we do
0: all right. So, just as Yesha'yahu said before, so let me back up. It shall come to pass in the place where it was said, "You are not my people," there shall they be called the children of the living Elohim. Lo ami, "You are not my people," was said to Hosea's children, figuratively. It was said to Israel, the nation. Calvinists think that this was said to Gentiles. Because they don't go back and read Hosea.
2: Oh, okay.
1: Even though it says it right there. You said Hosea. (laughs) He said in Hosea. Right. In the book of Hosea.
0: I will call them my people who are not my people and her beloved who is not my beloved. People think that's talking about Gentiles. Hmm. It's not. We need to go read it. Maybe I'm wrong.
1: Let's read it. Let's dig deep on this. I
0: think it's in chapter two. Here it is. Say unto your brethren, Ami, my people, and to your sisters, Ruchama, mercy, I believe, Rachum. Yeah. Plead with your mother, plead for she is not my wife, I'm not her husband. Let her put away her harlotries from her face and her adulteries between her breasts. Um, it may be somewhere else where he actually says, Lo, Ami. Let me see if I can find that right quick. Yeah, it was chapter one. Now, when she weaned Lo Ruchama, she conceived and bore a son, and she he said, "Call his name Lo Amid, for you are not my people, and I will not be yours." He is talking to Israel. All right.
1: So, see where was it? Low Rukma. She had. I don't want to get too much in trouble now. When she had Dwayne, Low Rukma. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? No what? No is that no mm-hmm. mercy?
0: No. Let me look at it first. I don't want to lie to you. Um. Uh, what verse is that? Um. Eight. The- et no mercy, mm-hmm. not merciful. All right. Um, so that's what she named her daughter, and then she named her son, Lo Ami, which means "You are not my people." All right. So, but this is evil. <laughs> yeah. The thing that I wanted to point out is is that most Christian readers treat that as Gentiles. They think that he said that to the Gentiles, you're not my people. And so now I'm calling you my people. So I'm bringing the Gentiles in. That's actually the same argument that the two house people use because they think that this is the 10 Northern tribes that God is saying it to, and it's all of Israel. All right. So I've heard
1: the whole... You know, my whole entire Christian life is that, you know, we were not a people, but now we're the people, you know? and
0: Yeah. Nobody so. was, that's the point is nobody was his people. <laughs> you know, everybody needed salvation, including the people who are before Messiah. They needed to come to this realization. You know, you're not mine unless you do what I say, unless you accept righteousness and, repent and turn from your wicked ways and want to follow me and not man right um so it applies to everybody that's the point that i'm trying to make whereas people come along and make this about flesh Mm -hmm. all right They, they get into disputes about genealogies and and historical record and all things that are, uh, that are mankind. God is not going to look at your birth record when you stand before him. (laughs) He he doesn't need Ben Taub hospital birth certificates. (laughs) You know? All right. What shall we say then? That the Goyim, who followed not after Tedekah have attained to it. That is, the righteousness which is the result of trust. But Yisrael, who followed after the Torah of Tedekah the law of righteousness, has not attained to the Torah of righteousness. All right? Why? Because it was not sought by emunah, firm trust, but by the works. It wasn't sought by the Torah. It was sought by the works. Mm. What is of the Torah? What is the gra- grammatical definition of that phrase? Does anybody remember their grammar enough to say that? Yeah. Directions? Are
2: you are you looking for prepositional phrase?
0: Yeah, it's a prepositional phrase that is oh. that is modifying this word works poorly. Yeah, it's the works is the noun in question connected to this verb, right? By the Torah. It wasn't sought by emuna. Actually, that's not a verb, but it sought. By connects works to sought, right? Do you get the point I'm trying to make?
1: They sought works, not righteousness. This is the
0: primary,
1: not the Torah. So,
3: so when you seek works of the Torah, you're looking to satisfy some flesh.
0: Bingo. And and unfortunately, too many messianic people are there. They're seeking the works. They want to make sure their works are good. They're, Yay, Hercules, Hercules. I'm so good at Torah. <laughs> All right, And they, they lose sight of the fact that they're, they're, they are only supposed to rely on trust in Yeshua for salvation, for righteousness, for all of it. Yes, our life should reflect what we are relying on, but that shouldn't be what we rely on. And whether people realize it or not, they are relying on their works. So yeah. you start pointing your finger at someone else saying what they did wrong in the Torah, you just stepped into your flesh.
3: Yeah. I've made
0: that mess. And
1: that's such a fine line to walk to. It is. It is. But
0: you know, we have to realize how big, how, how magnanimous what Yeshua did for us is. And that, you know, let let me let me say that's the third thing I want. To accomplish before I die is to get people to understand how big what Yeshua did for each individual really is because we don't think about it enough. Um, he he conquered all of our stupidity and all of our relying on our flesh and all of our all of our stumbling around in all of this for years and years and years, and years trying to figure it out.
3: And he even said it's finished.
1: Exactly.
0: Yeah. So so, you know, I guess tonight is a big old chill pill, right?
1: <laughs> that was a big pump of pie. <laughs> <laughs> All
0: right.
2: Well, well, cuz the, the goal is not to get things okay here. The goal is to get us out of here and into God's new heaven and new earth and the new thing he's doing. Well, not not a food. Yeah.
0: Yeah, what we're supposed to accomplish while we are here is to sit back and ride, to quote Melanie's dad, and uh, show people righteousness that is based on trust, and so I, I wish I had a way, I wish I could think of a way to draw a picture about what I'm trying to say, and that is our... Righteousness is inherited directly from Yeshua by trust. And yes, we have to put some effort into reflecting that. And that's why we look into the mirror of the Torah and not the spyglass.
1: Right. Oh, that's a good Look the mirror of the spyglass.
0: It's a mirror, but everybody is using it as a spyglass, mm-hmm. a magnifying glass to look at other people. Oh, ooh, you're, oh, look at that guy oh look at how bad you are
3: <laughs> so so when there's i can't remember where it is but it says we look into a glass darkly could that glass be the mirror and if Absolutely. we're not really looking into the mirror and instead just like the other verse says glancing and forgetting what we saw just That's to repeat exactly. it over again maybe yeah. that dark looking into a dark glass a uh, uh, glass darkly isn't about seeing future events and seeing how things play out it's because not. if we're not there for it it's our time is now what find are you going to do about you now yeah i'm on my phone so i can't find
0: it <laughs> somebody find that reference so we can go look at it because i do want to look at both of those there's two because
3: that would be interesting to see
0: yeah is anybody looking or do i need to find it
1: i'm looking let me see
0: I think in the King James it's through a glass dimly and the NIV is something like what more of like what being said, uh, a glass, darkly, darkly, dimly, a mirror, a looking glass. I don't, I don't remember. There's multiple translations of it, obviously, but I do want to look at that in, in the Aramaic Hebrew. Hmm. Anybody find it or I, do I need to go look?
1: Nothing's coming up through my searches.
0: All right, let's see what I can do.
1: I got this one from James. If anyone's a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror, but I don't think that's where we're going.
0: That's what—that's one of them, but it's not what I'm looking for. In- First Corinthians 13, First Corinthians- 12. 12. Yeah. 1 Corinthians 13, supposed to be verse 12. For now we see through a mirror dimly, but then face to face. What you have to remember about a mirror back then, it wasn't glass. It was a piece of metal, highly polished. And you couldn't see 100% of your image. It was a, it was a, slightly distorted, almost like a funny looking glass type of thing, because it wasn't glass. Mirrors didn't come along until a few years later, Mm. the way we know them, where they blacked out glass on one side and made a mirror out of it. They they finally figured that out. Back then it was metal. It had been, you know, really polished up. Okay. So let's look, love will not fail forever. But where there are prophecies, they shall fail. This is exactly what we were talking about, Deanne. It's not looking at prophecies to look into a a mirror. Where there are tongues, they shall cease. Where there is knowledge, they shall vanish. Because he's talking about love in this chapter. This is the love chapter, right? Yeah. All right. and Unfortunately, it's been tossed into weddings so many times, it's become cliche. Um. Love is long-suffering. Kind does not envy, does not make a vain display of itself, does not, those are all Torah principles that we talked about last week. Does not behave itself unseemly, seeks not its own, is not easily provoked, thinks no evil, rejoices not over iniquity, but rejoices in truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. That is the inside stuff. That's not looking into a, a, a spyglass to see the future. That's not what this is talking about. This is talking about personal growth, okay? When I was a child, I spoke as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see through a mirror dimly, but then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know, even as I am also known. We kind of catch an image of God, but we don't fully understand him. So it's the same thing now obeyed and hope and love these three, but the greatest of these is love. So love is what causes us compels us to want to grow in, in, in the capacity of those things. Right. And so that does yeah. along with the other scripture that Joe just mentioned, where he says, anyone who doesn't walk, right. And I'm paraphrasing, uh, he, he looks into this Torah and when he turns away, he forgets what he looked like. So yeah. that goes back to what I said. It should be a mirror, not a magnifying glass. What you got, Joe?
1: Not sure if this is relevant to this particular conversation, but to Corinthians 3.18, this is from, uh, uh, but anyway, it says, uh, but we, we all with unveiled face beholding as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord are being transformed in the same image from glory to glory.
0: Yeah. It's about it looks like image. it
1: applies to me. <laughs>
0: exactly. It's about his image in us. It's about us looking at ourselves and saying, okay, I got to be more like Yeshua. Where, where, what do I need to fix? Right.
3: And we don't, we don't even get to see him right now, you know, and for 33 years, people did get to see Yeshua. And did get to have some panim al panim time. And yeah. we can't have that until we, we pass on.
1: Ah, panim al panim. Panim al panim, Ken. Very well done.
0: <laughs> um, absolutely. So I want to go back because I'm not sure we finished what drove us to. Does anybody remember what drove us to Romans? Conversation we were having? Yes, you all. Israel being the firstborn. Right.
1: Uh, Yes.
0: So we haven't finished that yet. We may not finish it tonight. So somebody better write down what we're doing because we're running out of time. But let's see how far we go, because I want to read Romans 9, 10 and 11. Okay. to get to what the point that Betsy already foresaw and shore it up. That's that's what I want to do. My brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to Elohim for Israel is that they might be saved, for I can testify for them that there is in them a zeal for Elohim. I want us and anybody that we can influence to think about Israel this way, because most Christians and a lot of messianics look at our Jewish people today with disdain and resentment to some degree. Um, and we can be interpreted as speaking that way just because of all of the other real disdain and resentment that is out there does that make sense Mm -hmm. so we have to be super sharp with our speech and that's something that i've been praying about for me is that god gives me you know precision words to speak to people with all right there is in them a zeal for elohim they do have some zeal for god still to this day the religious jews right mm-hmm. but not according to true knowledge for they know not the tzedakah of elohim which we've just been talking about imparted righteousness because of trust in god all right but seek to establish their own tzedakah which is the works of of the Torah, it's not the Torah itself, it's the works that they do of the Torah. They, they put their trust in that, all right? And because of this, they have not submitted themselves to the tzedakah of Elohim, for Mashiach is the goal, that there should be a V there, sorry about that. The goal at which the Torah aims, Mashiach. So the Torah, which is an archery term ends up being instruction and becomes law in English. It's an archery term. And here it's being, it Shaul is showing you that. Messiah is the goal, the target at which the Torah aims. All right. So it's the, if you use a, a modern compound bow and you pull the string back and you're aiming at the target, the goal would be that little tiny Eyepiece that you look through to make sure you're on the the bullseye, right? Yep. So the, the Torah is the bow, <laughs> the, the, the 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 instrument that drives the arrow at the target, and the target is Messiah.
1: The Torah is the bow, but the uh, the peep sight is the narrow way of the Torah.
0: Bingo. It brings all of the Torah. It brings all, everything you're doing with the bow. Yeah, exactly. All right. For tzedakah to everyone who trusts. For Moshe writes of the tzedakah of the Torah this way. Whoever shall do these things shall live by them. But the tzedakah, which is of trust, says this. And this is, it's, it's so funny because this is out of the Torah, but anti-Torah people don't know that <laughs> or won't admit it. Do not say in your heart, hmm. who has ascended to heaven and brought Mashiach down to earth, and who has descended into the abyss of Sheol and brought up Mashiach from the house of the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you, even in your mouth and in your heart, that is, the Devar HaEmunah, which we declare the Torah. That, that
3: that's different than quoting scripture to somebody. Yeah. The The declaration is the word of our faith. It's not necessarily quoting scripture to somebody. Right. Which gives me a, a lot more solace.
0: <laughs> yeah, but what I'm pointing out is... When he says hadavar here, and I want to look at the Aramaic of that verse, which is 10.8. The word is near you, in your mouth, and in your heart. So the word, and he's quoting the Torah, but it's not, this is what I want you to see. Does anybody know where that is, where he says that? you learn
1: where he says what exactly
0: Shool is quoting the Torah when he says that it is near you even in your mouth and in your heart
1: is is that where someone this is not too hard for you that you shall say who shall go up and bring it down or go across the ocean and bring it back and
0: yeah it's exactly where it is
1: Well I don't know what it says I just don't know where it is
0: Was it, it David? No, it's in the Torah. In the Torah. There in, it is. It's in Devarim Deuteronomy chapter 30. I'm starting in verse 11. For this mitzvah, commandment, which I command you this day, it is not too hard for you. Neither is it far off. This is part of what he quoted. I wish I had Romans still up here. Shaul already quoted it. It's not in heaven that you should sh- mm-hmm. say, who shall go up for this, us to heaven and bring it unto us? And what Shaul did is insert Mashiach in there because he knows that the commandment is Messiah. Right. Is that sinking in? Is everybody taking notes?
1: Yes, I'm taking notes. Yep.
0: <laughs> All right. The commandment is Messiah. And you can't, you can't go up there and get him and bring him down. And then he says, or who shall go up for us? Uh Neither is beyond the sea that you should say, who shall go over the sea for us and bring it unto us or make it us to hear it, that we may do it. But, and this is the verse that we, that she'll just quote it the word. Do you see how that and that are the exact same thing? Oh. And yes. Is very nigh unto you in your mouth, in your heart that you may do it. So Deanne, you're right. You don't have to worry about quoting it, but it has to be in you. In order to pull it off. <laughs> so you may do it.
3: Right. <laughs> it's got to be in there in order for me to even have thought it, apparently.
0: Yeah. And, you know, and what, so it's, it's like believers had for thousands of years, had the oh. option of this huge buffet. And over on the other side of the restaurant, the dessert tray. And it's all part of the meal. But they're only going to the dessert tray because everybody's saying, look at the dessert. Dessert is wonderful. And, they're, and that's all they're doing. And what are they, how are they becoming in their health spiritually? Fat, lazy, dumb, and sick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> spiritually.
3: Yes, Sharoon became fat and kicked.
0: <laughs> there you go. Because they're not putting the whole work. They're, they're getting some dessert, which is legitimate. Do you hear me? The sweet things of the word of God are legitimate. The easy things of the word of God are wonderful. They're, 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 it's great to hear that God loves you. It's wonderful. I love it. I love to hear that myself. But there's some time that you need meat. And isn't that exactly what Shul is saying over in Hebrews chapter 5 and 6? You should yes. be eating meat by now, but you're only drinking milk.
1: And you need to get some teeth
0: so you can eat some meat.
1: And sometimes nope. that meat's got gristle in it.
0: Yeah, you need teeth. And that's that's effectively what he was telling Israeli Jewish believers back then. Grow some teeth <laughs> so you can get off the milk. And that that's unfortunately where a lot of people are in the faith is they have no teeth whatsoever. And so they always want Sweet milk, you know, the dessert tray. That's all they want. Isn't that what kids do?
1: Absolutely.
0: Kids yes. will just eat the dessert if you let them. Yes. And that shows you how immature the, the, the people of faith are today because they only want dessert. They only want, make me feel good, scratch my 18 years. I want dessert. I don't want to eat meat.
3: And that's why we're still children.
0: Even yeah, though we're adults, you know, that's why we're
3: still children.
0: That's why I beg people to come to Torah study and advertise it in three different places and, t- and talk about it. You know, come on, people, grow some teeth.
1: Where were we in Romans that relates to this? So I can, I will make this note here because this is actually one of the things that uh, kind of led me down this path of truth. As I was started starting to do a search of things from the new testament that were quotes from the old if you will
0: so where
1: where where were we in romans just now chapter 10 10 yeah
0: early
1: chapter
2: 10 yeah well those last two things that you that you read the paragraph you have highlighted in one right below it it you know i've said before you this day Chaim, good mother and evil it's like you can see the whole thing from the garden replaying mm-hmm. right there yeah you know exactly what to do obey me don't listen to the devil because if you do you're gonna die it's like it's just it's just it's so it's just it's like it's just all it's all right there
0: yeah To love Yahweh Elohim, to hearken to his voice and his voice. We don't have time tonight to establish it. And maybe we could track back next week to do it. But if you look in Deuteronomy, his voice over and over is his Torah. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing that I'm trying to communicate to believing people is, okay, I understand that God speaks to us through our hearts and our minds. But hello, if it's violating his Torah, it ain't him. That's right, it is not him, and too many people have these messages that they get from God that clearly violate his Torah, and it's not him. But you can't convince them otherwise because they are convinced that they hear the voice of God on a regular basis.
1: God told me
0: I can eat bacon, God told me I don't have to keep the Sabbath, and you don't have to. <laughs> you getting my point <laughs> but if you love him hello hearken to his voice
1: yeah and I can only
0: measure his voice and tune my ear to his voice by his word that's it that's it alright so we will pick up in Romans 10 next week any thoughts questions or comments Romans or Romans 10 I got to finish that that pursuit that we were on about Israel, and it's basically to summarize where we're going with that is old man, new man, Adam, new Adam. All right, um, and that being alluded to in Yisrael is my firstborn son. All right, so that's where we were going. So remind me of that next week if I have All to get right. into next week. All right, thank next you, week. Daniel. Yeah. in the name of your son Yahweh Yeshua we do give thanks for your word we ask you to, to uh, take what any mistakes that we have made and show us and, and uh, help us get those out of our hearts and minds and be grounded in your truth and your truth alone we do ask that you compel uh, others of our brethren to seek the meat of the word with us and we ask you to strengthen us by it that we may share it um, and we thank you for all of your blessings, we ask you to be with us until we assemble again and certainly be with us when we do assemble. Bashem Yishua Mashiach. Amen. All righty. Mm-hmm. Thanks for tuning in to listen to this week's Torah study class. In the description, you'll find all the links to our website and social media content. Please make sure you're subscribed to our podcast as we can be found on all major podcast platforms. If you feel compelled to support this ministry, please feel free to do so by donating via the Get the Word Out link in the description. All proceeds go toward growing this platform in the Nikdash Mayak ministry. Till the next time, we pray God blesses you with Shalom in the name of Yahweh Yeshua Mashiach.